seven days, and whosoever toucheth her shall be unclean until the even. And everything that she lieth upon her separation shall be unclean. Everything also that she sitteth upon shall be unclean. So notice, if she touches anything, if she were to touch someone, they would be unclean until the even. So if there were ceremonial things that they needed to do, and this woman touched them, they wouldn't be able to do those things. And these things were important to them. You know, imagine if we had some kind of custom like this today, and you were spiritual, and I mean, you wanted to go to church today. I mean, you wanted to come into the house of God, but some woman touched you, and so now you can't come to church that day. You know, that would upset you a little bit, wouldn't it? I mean, I think that would probably, uh, you know, bother you a little bit. Now, thankful, thankfully, because of what Jesus Christ did, fulfilling all those priestly things, we can approach the throne of grace boldly. We can come into the house of God, and we don't have to worry about these things. And I preached a message on that a long time ago. But let's keep reading. It says in verse 21, And whosoever toucheth her bed shall wash his clothes, and bathe himself in water, and be unclean until the even. And whosoever toucheth anything that she sat upon shall wash his clothes, and bathe himself in water, and be unclean until the even. And if it be on her bed, or on anything whereon she sitteth, when he toucheth it, he shall be unclean until the even. And if any man lie with her at all, and her flowers be upon him, he shall be unclean at seven days, and all the bed whereon he lieth shall be unclean. And if a woman have an issue of her blood many days out of the time of her separation, or if it run beyond the time of her separation, all the days of the issue of her uncleanness shall be as the days of her separation, shall she be unclean. And I'm not going to read all this, but if you go and you read all the way through there, it's just going on just showing all the details, all the things. If she touches this, if you touch something she touches, if she touches you, all these things, you are unclean. And these things were very important to those people. So a woman that had this plague would literally be an outcast in society during that day. This is somebody that nobody's going to want to be around because, you know, these ceremonial things, they were important to the Jews. And so if this woman, if she comes around you, you don't want her to be around because you don't want her sitting on a chair that you might sit on because if she does... You know, and you accidentally sit on it. You're going to be unclean, and then you're not going to be allowed to go into the congregation. And these things were a big problem. And so this woman is going to be somebody that nobody wants to be around. This is going to be a woman with this kind of issue. She's not going to be able to have children. No man is going to want her. She's not going to have. She's not going to be able to have a husband. She's not going to have any type of interaction with the particular part of society that she would want to be a part of. And so I think whenever we read this passage, we forget these things. We forget the significance of what she had going on right here and uh, what it meant to those people during that time. So, because you know, you say, well, why were these things such a big deal? Well, the Jews were supposed to be a holy and a clean people. They were God's representatives on earth at that time. God wanted the other nations, when they came and they visited Israel and they saw them, God wanted them to see a holy people, a people that were set apart, a people that were different than all of the rest of the world. That God wanted them to be a light to the world. Now, you and I know they failed in that job, didn't they? They did a really bad job, but it doesn't change the fact that God had commanded them to do these things. It says in Exodus 19.5, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. God wanted there to be a difference between Israel and every other nation. He said, And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And then we go on and just gives law after law after law. 
And God said, if you'll do these things, if you will do these works, you will be a peculiar people. You will be a holy nation. You will be uh, you know, a, a, a kingdom of priests if you will do these things. Because God wanted there to be a clear distinction between Israel and the rest of the world. And this is why they had many of the strict rules that maybe seem over the top. Because God wanted a separated people. He did not want them blending in. That's why God gave them laws about mixed fabrics. God wanted there to be a difference in how they were clothed versus the rest of the world, how they were clothed. God wanted there to be a difference in how they ate versus all the rest of the world and how they ate. One of the most notable things about a culture to us who are outsiders of those cultures is the food, isn't it? I mean, isn't that one of the main things we think about many times? When we're thinking about another culture, we think about their food. You know, that, that is a very notable thing. And God wanted there to be a difference in how they ate and things that they would eat, things that they wouldn't eat. They were supposed to practice cleanliness. They were supposed to represent themselves as the people of God. And so they didn't do it. They couldn't live up to that standard. But that's why Jesus had to come. Because Jesus had to come and do it all for them. Okay, But understand, during this time when this woman lived, they were practicing some of these laws, weren't they? Weren't there some areas where the Jews, I mean, they were doing a pretty good job. But there are also other areas where they were failing miserably. Y'all understand that? There were areas where they were doing really bad, but they thought they were doing a good job. And so there's no doubt this woman would have been an outcast because this was obviously something that they were still following. She wouldn't be allowed in the temple. She wouldn't have wanted, you know, no one would have wanted to be around her. And we're kind of the same way today, too. All right. We all, as fundamental Baptists, there are certain things that we've got down, aren't there? You know, there's certain things that, I mean, you know, yeah, we don't do that. But then there's other things that we kind of, yeah, that's not a big deal, right? You know, we're kind of like the Jews, aren't we? Yeah, you know, I, I don't, you know, I've never smoked a cigarette, but boy, I will tear somebody apart with my tongue. You know, isn't that pretty common amongst Baptists? I mean, really, what's worse? What's worse? You smoking a cigarette and hurting yourself or destroying someone else with your tongue? And boy, you know what? You got a lot of self-righteous Baptists out there that they will be all over somebody that smokes a cigarette. And I'm not for smoking cigarettes. But they will be all over those people. I mean, just lashing out on them with their tongue. Just letting them have it for being so bad. Not even realizing they are doing a worse sin. Right then and right there. So, uh, you know, let's not act like we're that much better than the Jews. Okay, But understand, though, I think culturally we can understand how it be, you know, where in most Baptist churches, you know, you walk out in the parking lot, and you light up a cigarette, everybody in the church is going to gasp, right? <laughs> but you can sit in the pews and be gossiping about so-and-so who lit up a cigarette and nobody bats an eye, right? Okay. So I think we can all relate with this, can't we? But it doesn't change the fact that smoking is a big deal in the fundamental Baptist world. And so in that world... This a woman with an issue of blood like this, she is going to be an outcast. Okay, she is going to be the smoker to the gossips. All right. So I, I, I just say all this to put these things in perspective. We could preach another message just about that hypocrisy, right there. But we're not going to do that today. But here's what I want to do though: is I want to talk about like you know who today is like this woman spiritually speaking, because this is a woman 
who needed healing, if she's going to be able to do the things that you know a Jewish woman would want to do, she needs healing. Some there there needs to be some intervention. She is an outcast, and we have often have outcasts in society. There are certain people, there are certain segments of our society that you know nobody likes, that nobody wants to nobody wants to be around. You've got the the druggies that are out there that you know nobody really likes. You've got the people out, you know, you've got the drunks, you've got the, uh, you know, you've got the harlots and people like that that are out there that even our society today, we, they, they look at them and they look down on those people. You know, just the, the low lives, those people out there that won't work, that won't get a job, that just, you know, these kind of, you know, good for nothings that society would call them. There's people out there like that, that need healing. They need, if they're going to come out of that life that they're living in, there's people out there that we, we all look down on because they're living on welfare, they won't get a job. But what a lot of people don't realize is that's just the culture they grew up in. They grew up in a home where the dad never worked. They grew up in a home where the parents weren't together, where nobody provided, where they lived off the government. That is all they know. And it's still bad. Okay, It's still bad. But what needs to take place in that person's life is there needs to be a transformation. Something needs to happen. They need Jesus Christ. They need some spiritual healing so they can go and actually be a respectable member of society. And we need to be reaching people like that. We need to be reaching society's good-for-nothings. And we need to be preaching the gospel to them and getting them saved and helping them get their life on track for God. We need to help bring them to Jesus so they can be healed. And so there's, there's a lot of different people that we could talk about that society recognizes as bad. 1 Corinthians 5.1 says it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. Now notice in this in, in this passage right here, okay, all fornication is bad. Y'all understand that? But society doesn't see fornication as that bad, does it? it? It's no big deal in society today. But this guy's type of fornication that he had going on, even the Gentiles thought it was bad. So this guy is bad even to society. And there's people out there like that. Sometimes people in the church that get caught up in sins that are bad even to the lost, that are bad even to society. And when that happens, you know what? Those people need some healing. Those people, they need a transformation. They need something to happen in their life. And so we all know that we're all sinners, but there's just some sins we don't make that big a deal about. You know, there's sin like that. That are, they're socially acceptable, but they're still wicked. And, you know, we've got to understand that we, we don't want to get this mentality like the Jews had where we just, we look at certain people as just total outcasts. Okay. And I'm not talking about, you know, that person, you know, those people are out there hurting people. Okay. There's a big difference between, you know, criminal behavior, hurting other people, you know, child molesters and things like that. Obviously, when it comes to, Things like that, but I'm talking about you know just kind of your down and outers. I'm talking about some people just caught, get caught up in the things of the flesh. Drunkenness has been a problem forever. Y'all understand that? I mean, people struggle with that kind of thing. There's people that you know have what we you know society today calls you know mental illnesses and things just because they've been through so much. They um, you know they have personality disorders and things because they've just been through so much in life. 
And they're, frankly, they're, they're weird. You know, there's weird people out there. Y'all understand that? There's people out there that just aren't normal, that are not, um, you know, they're not beneficial to us. You know, because who is it that everybody wants to get in their churches today? You know, everybody wants the, you know, the rich people, the business owners, the politicians, you know, they want all the respectable people. And pastors will brag about the, you know, honorable so-and-so that goes to their church, the respectable people that go to the church. They will brag about that type of thing. But the truth is, should we be in the business of getting the rejects of society? I believe that's who God has chosen to use. You know, the base of this world, the things that are based, those are the people that God wants to use. And the truth is, most churches that get filled with the dignitaries usually get pretty watered down because the dignitaries don't always like the, you know, unfiltered truth, do they? Especially the politicians. Because it'll hurt them politically, you know, if his pastor is up there ripping on homos and it gets out there. You know, it's going to it's gonna end up looking bad for them. But at the same time, you understand it's natural to gravitate towards the big shots, the, you know, those that got everything going for them. You know, everybody loves that family that walks into the church that's, you know, just, you know, big family. Everybody just looks great. You know, everything's wonderful. But, you know, what about the broken homes? You know, what about those single moms, you know, or single dads that uh, with kids that are, you know, Maybe the family that's got the kids and all the kids are different colors. You know, people look at families like that and think, you know, there's something wrong with them. And they don't want to have anything to do with them. But these are the people that we ought to be trying to go after, that we ought to care about. Jesus cared about this woman. And so even though society looks down on those people, even though it won't be impressive to those on the outside, that, you know, they're the ones that are here, they're the ones we're ministering to and helping. You know what? That kind of thing pleases God because they matter. Jesus takes the time to pay attention to this woman while he's helping the dignitary out. And he cared about the dignitaries too. He cared about the rulers too, but he cared about the down and outers, the outcasts of society. We see also this woman, spiritually speaking, she could be those whose sins are apparent to everyone around them. Luke 7.39, I think we looked at this last week, it says, Now when the Pharisees, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. It, you, do you realize there are some sins out there that are easy to hide, while there's no hiding other sins? Y'all understand that? You know, the, and again, notice how they would talk about these, you know, this woman like she's a sinner, as though he is not a sinner. Okay, now understand. They kind of had, in their world in that time, and it was wrong, they kind of had a different set of rules than we do today. We understand very clearly, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God now. Now, that was in the Old Testament. Okay? There is none that seeketh after God. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. That was in the Old Testament. But for some reason, they missed that, didn't they? And so they're thinking, well, because I'm doing all these things, I've got all this stuff right on the outside. I'm all good. And you know, there are certain sins that are, they are, they're just apparent to everyone. Okay. For, you know, and, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody in here, but you know, at the same, you know, if you got tattoos, we can all see that, can't we? You know, that's something you probably shouldn't have done, but yet everybody can see it. But you know, a bunch of us have done things that we shouldn't have done, but nobody can see it. You know, we're just as bad. 
Okay? But those sins that people do on the outside, it's real easy for everyone to see it. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows. I mean, we, we've all got our faults, but some people have faults that just everyone can see. And so those typically are people that are kind of the outcasts that people look down on that nobody wants to be nobody wants to be like them because those are the things that everybody can see you know so we're often down on the drunks we're often down on the smokers the drug addicts but you know the porn addict often gets a pass because we can't see that you know even though when you stop and think about it that's probably worse too because of what he's doing in his head you know if they're married and how bad it's going to hurt their relationship when you consider the fact that they are supporting a horrible, horrible, you know, institution, for lack of a better term, that preys on people, that's a, a part of the whole, you know, child, you know, human trafficking problem. I mean, folks, if, if you watch pornography, you are doing more than just looking at something bad. Okay? You are participating in a horribly wicked sin, but you know what? None of us can see that. None of us can see that type of thing. And even though that's a super common problem in our society today, those nobody looks down on those people because we can't see that. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that people that have these outward sins are worse. I'm just trying to show, you know, they're just like other people, but society often looks differently on them. We, even as Christians, can often look at these people and say, I don't want to have anything to do with these people and we don't even realize we're being hypocrites because we're friends with people that are many times are far worse. Many times we're far worse without even realizing it because we've just got some distorted thinking. So this woman, spiritually speaking, she could be someone who is uh, guilty of, like somebody who's guilty of sins that society recognizes as bad, someone whose sins are apparent to everyone around them. But also, I think she's an example of those who've tried everything that the world tells you to try but has failed. Look what it says in uh, Matthew 5 and verse 25. Matthew 5 and verse 25. Or no, that's not the passage I want. I think that's... Um, oh Maybe it's in Mark. But in, in one of the Gospels, I don't have it in front of me. It's not mentioned in... in uh, I don't believe it's mentioned in Matthew. But it mentions how uh, she had tried all the doctors. And nobody could help her, but she was rather made worse. Okay? One of the Gospels that says that, uh, that account, I don't have that here in front of me, but it says she did, I mean, went to all the doctors, any help that society had for her, it failed. So this is a woman, she didn't just have a sickness that some medicine could have cured. She tried the medicine. She tried the doctor. She tried all the things that everybody says, hey, you need to try this, and they all failed her. And you know, there's a lot of people out there today that are struggling with drunkenness, struggling with all these different sins that even society recognizes as bad. They've gone to Alcoholics Anonymous. They've gone to all these rehabilitation centers. They've done all the things that society has said to try, but it hasn't worked for them. They're still in the same boat that they were always in. And often when, you know, people try all these avenues and it doesn't work, you know what? Society usually just gives up on them. Yeah, you know what? Let's just let's just give them welfare and you know put them in a housing unit somewhere and just hope they behave themselves. So you know we don't have to have to throw them in jail, and then we just kind of give up on them. You know, it's it's a sad thing, but you know we're so brainwashed as a society today because whatever the problem is, there's almost always like a few programmed responses that we all repeat, but yet they never work, but they're always our go-to. 
You know, if somebody's got a drug problem, hey, have you gone to the rehab center? Hey, have you, you know, if somebody's having something, whatever, you know, hey, have you gone and seen the psychiatrist? Have you gone to the doctor? Have you taken this shot? Have you tried Zoloft? You know, have you tried, you know, whatever, whatever. We always got these program responses that are always the go-to, usually something that we heard on a TV commercial, something we saw on a TV show, because we've all been brainwashed by society. But this woman in this story, she'd done all that stuff that they said. She only had one hope, and it was Jesus. And so while she believed he could heal her, she was putting herself in a dangerous position because what she was about to do would make Jesus ceremonially unclean. And so she probably thought, that's why I believe too, when she's saying, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, she knows this man could heal her, but in her mind, she's thinking, I can't ask him to touch me. You understand? Because no other Jew is going to touch her because they were all about the cleanliness and following the law. Well, obviously, Jesus is going to follow the law more than they're going to follow the law. So she knows, hey, I've seen him touch other people and they were healed, but there's no way he'll touch me, is what she's thinking. She's thinking, I can go and I can try touching him, but man, if I do, I'm going to get him in trouble. If I try, people are going to try to stop me. And so she's literally trying to just sneak a touch of the hem of his garment. Because she doesn't want to get him in trouble. She doesn't want to make him unclean, but if I just barely do that, he won't notice. And if nobody notices, then maybe we won't have a problem. I think that's, I think that's what she's thinking in her mind. And so notice when in uh, Mark 5, in Mark chapter 5, verse 33, it says, but the woman, this is after she touched them, and Jesus realizes somebody touched him. He knows that a miracle has taken place. And it says, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And most people read this like, what's the big deal? What's the big deal if she touched him of his garment? It's because she would have made him ceremonially unclean. That, that's, that was a big deal to these people. But he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. And I love this because, folks, this is what we need to get spiritually from this. Y'all need to understand this. When the unclean touches the clean, the clean becomes unclean, doesn't it? That's the way it works. Okay? When the unclean touches the clean, the clean becomes unclean. But when the unclean touches the cleanser, okay, then that which is unclean becomes clean. Now, this is what you all need to get, okay? because there's a spiritual message that every one of you in here need to get. We as the hoi polloi of society, as we think we are, as the hoi polloi, you know, we're the IFB, right? We're, I mean, we're, we're IFB. So in the Christian world, I mean, yeah, we know as IFB that we're not the only saved people, but we're like top notch, right? I mean, obviously, if there was something better, wouldn't we join that, wouldn't we? I mean, I, I know I would. If there, was, if there was something better, if there was something closer than IFB, I'd be all over that. But here's, here's the thing we've got. First Peter 2, Brother Josh looked at this this morning. It says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Now, remember that passage that we looked at before? I think it was in Exodus, where he told Israel, 
you will be a holy nation. You will be a priesthood if you will do all these commandments. Notice how in the Old Testament, Jesus said, if you do these things, you'll be a peculiar treasure. If you do these things. But in the New Testament, we see that Jesus has told all of us that we are all the things that he told Israel they would be. Now, how did we get there? Did we get there by us doing those things? Anybody here kept the law? Don't raise your hand. Yeah, but yet we are holy. Now, how, how, how did that happen? Here's why. Because we believed on Christ. You know what happened? We touched the hem of his garment, figuratively speaking, and he made us clean. He made us a kingdom of priests. He made us a holy nation. He cleansed us. Okay, We didn't do these things ourselves. He did all of these things for us just by us believing on him. And so the, uh, the thing is, Jesus is trying to show us a principle here, a miracle here, because Jesus could not be made unclean. Because okay? Jesus could not break the law. This is more proof of the impeccability of Christ. This proves Jesus was not capable of sin. He could not even be made ceremonially unclean. When a woman who was unclean touched him, she just wasn't, she was now clean. That's a miracle. This is proof of the deity of Jesus Christ. He wasn't even trying to do a miracle here, yet he did a miracle in the story. And the thing that we have got to understand as Christians is that we are not clean because of anything that we've done. Now, we understood that when we got saved, but sometimes we forget it. We get corrupted from the simplicity in Christ. We've forgotten that we were purged from our old sins. We forgot that we're made clean. And what we end up doing, we end up becoming like these Pharisees. And we start looking at the outcasts of society. And we start thinking, you know, I'm not like them because I don't drink. I'm not like them because I don't do drugs. I'm not like them because I'm not a fornicator or anything like that. We forget that. And then we start becoming this elitist group of people and then we're, we're down on all these people. And the truth is, if we're going to be in the business of getting people healing, then you know what we need to do? We need to be making sure we are spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and showing these down and outers that the way that they get cleansing is through him, not, not from not drinking, not from not smoking or any of those things. We've got to show people that. We've got to show people that, hey, if you see anything that appears to be special about us, understand that's just the work of Jesus Christ in our life. He can do the same thing for you, too. doesn't matter what you came from. It doesn't matter. that. And, and folks, society, they can't seem to figure out how to cure this drunkenness problem. They can't seem to figure out how to cure this drug, drug problem. They can't seem to figure out what they're going to do about the drug culture and how they can stop all this junk that's going on in the city. And in Chicago, you got all these shootings, the drug culture, just all the just filth that's going on, the, you know, just the broken homes, the unwed mothers. They've got all these problems. Society just can't seem to figure out what to do. They try passing bills. They try funding all these different programs and nothing ever seems to work. But folks, the difference is not teaching people abstinence, even though they should be teaching that. What makes a society great, what makes us a special people, it's not the fact that we've never done a certain sin because we've all done some sins. What makes us a special people, it's Jesus Christ and the work that he did in our lives. And, what, and I'm afraid sometimes, you know, while we need to preach against sin and we have no intention of stopping that, Sometimes we start sending out the message 
that we're special because we've avoided these sins. Not realizing that, you know, the Pharisees, they didn't have any running issue going out of them. I mean, the Pharisees physically were practicing the laws of cleanliness, but were they saved? No, Jesus said on the inside, they were full of dead men's bones. That's what they were on the inside. And a lot of us, we've not done a lot of the outward things, but spiritually on the inside, we're like dead men's bones. But you know, there's people out there that physically have done a lot of horrible things that you and I would never do that have believed on Christ, and they've been cleansed of those things. They've been, they've been washed from those things, and they're going to go to heaven. They're, they are on their way to heaven today, and this, and, but yet at the same time, somehow Christians who understand they've been saved, are, we're just giving up on everybody. We're just labeling everybody reprobate or whatever and just forgetting about them. We've got to realize, hey, they can be healed. There is healing if they will believe on Christ, if they will, uh, you know, if they'll, uh, if they get close to Him, there, there will be a change in their life and they can have victory over these things. Now, not everybody gets victory. Some people choose to wallow in their sin, and that's a sad thing, but they could have victory, and we, could, and we need to be a part in helping that. And so this particular miracle, I believe it's written for those who are dealing with sins and problems in your life that causes you to be rejected by society. Many people have an attitude out there, I can never be a part of that church. Have you ever had somebody say that, where it's like if I walked in, you know, the roof would cave in on me? Now, now, why are they saying that? They're saying that because they realize they are guilty of sins that are looked down on very much in the church. And should we not look down? I mean, we should we should be down on sin, folks. We should be very down on sin. We should not, you know, favor fornication, drunkenness, all these things. We need to continue preaching against those things, showing people how serious they are. But understand, when a, when a person thinks I can't come into a church because I have these sins in my life, understand they've got the sin part down. You know, we've got that message that sin is bad, but we've not gotten the message to them yet that Jesus is a cleanser of those things. Hey, you touch the hem of his garment, you'll be cleansed of that. Okay, all right, yeah, you've done all those things, but you believe on Christ and you get saved, you, you can be a part of this church just like that. Because Jesus will cleanse you of those things. And, you know, while the scars of those sins might still be there, while, you know, the, the evidence that these people have done these things and, are, and struggle with these things are still there and apparent, you know what? We can, as Christians, look at them as clean. Because, you know what? They are, they've been saved. Jesus Christ has cleansed them. And, you know, we can, we can forget about the fact that they've done some bad stuff in the past. And, you know, and, I mean, in this room, and I, we're not going to do it, but if people started testifying they could probably start admitting guilt to some pretty bad sins. I imagine, I'm sure we've got many people in here that have committed plenty of sins that should get, you know, that would get somebody kicked out of a church at one point in our life. But yet, why are you still here today? Because we recognize you've been cleansed of those things. And the Lord's given you a victory. You're not living in those things anymore. And so, uh, you know, you're not rejected by us. You can be a part of this church and you can be loved and you can do everything we do. You can have all the rights and privileges of everyone else in this church. You can call yourself a part of that holy nation, that royal priesthood, that peculiar people. Because Jesus has cleansed you. And I imagine it probably felt great for this woman after she was cleansed to be able to now go into the temple 
and give her offerings that she was never able to do before. All these things that she couldn't do before because she wouldn't be allowed in there, she now is able to do. And, you know, there's things that we as Christians, we're able to do that others can't do. There's things that we can enjoy that others can't enjoy because of the sin that's in their life. But you know what? God can help purge them from that. It doesn't matter where they're at. And they could be they could be transformed. And so if you're dealing with a sin or an uncleanness in your life that the world's wisdom cannot help you with, then what you need, what people need to do is to stop trying to cleanse themselves and to just trust in Christ's cleansing that he can give you. That's what you got to trust in first. And then let him miraculously transform your life. And the problem with most people today is they're not looking to get sin out of their life. It, that, that's why, too, we got to watch out for these trendies that sound pretty good on grace. We were talking about them yesterday. We were out sowing. They sound pretty good on grace. They give some pretty good lip service to grace and, you know, true salvation. But one thing you'll notice about these people is they're not looking for cleansing from their sin. This woman wanted to be cleansed of this infirmity she had. But you know what a lot of people are doing? They're looking for a way to justify their sin. Hey, I want to continue doing all this garbage, but yet have the assurance of heaven. They're looking for a way to justify their sin. They're not looking for cleansing. Okay? We get saved when we believe on Christ, when we're trusting him to cleanse us of our sins. Not to just help us do those sins without feeling any guilt. And that's where you got to watch the trendies. They're tricky. They, they're tricky. But here's the thing. The Bible says if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you'll be filled. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness... For they shall be filled. A lot of people today, the reason they're not getting cleansing in their life and getting rid of sins is because they don't want to. This woman wanted to get rid of that issue of blood that she had. And you know, I believe if a person really wants to get rid of that drunkenness problem, whatever their problem is that they have, if they, I believe if they really want that, if they're saved, they will be able to get victory over that because Christ helps us get victory. And these things. So anyway, with that, let's close the word of prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your word and the promises it gives. Dear God, I pray you'll help us to spread this message of spiritual healing to the outcasts. Lord, help us not to just, you know, give up on people so easy and uh, just care about certain segments of society. I pray you'll help us to see every individual out there as a soul and that you will help us to do our very best that we can to try to reach them with the gospel and uh, encourage these people to come to you for cleansing. In your name we pray. Amen.